0: The boys are back in town, Tony. We're back. We're live. Heck, What's up, baby? brother? How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm uh, coming out of a deep hibernation. What after do you mean? The new year. I just like took it upon myself to fall off the grid a little bit. Good. Yeah, and it's been it's been very restorative. So,
0: what'd you do my... when you were off the grid?
1: <laughs> I played. A, have you heard of a Cyberpunk 2077? No. It's, It's, it's this video game and I just like (laughs) spent a lot of time in this made up science fiction world. I
0: love that. Is it on your phone?
1: No, PlayStation. I got a PS4. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. You're fancy. Okay. (laughs) It's funny when you said you were off the grid, my mind went to like, oh, like you went camping. No, and like you were out in the wilderness and nobody knew where you were and you were hunting and you're like, oh, no, I was playing cyberpunk two seven nine
1: nine. I was glamping, you know, <laughs> had my generator and my. I love that. Sofa. Yeah, no, that was imprecise use of language. No,
0: no. That's was it. Was it fun? Like, was it a good restorative energy? Was it like good time away?
1: Yeah, no, I think I needed it. I'm also doing dry January, which is. Oh, nice. Something I do, uh, not January, obviously, but something I do a couple times a year, I just take, it it doesn't even have to be the whole month. It might just be like, (laughs) no, seriously, it might be like between like a wedding and the end of the month or, Mm. you know, like the beginning of the month to the holiday or something. Because for me, it's less about like it has to be a calendar month and more Mm -hmm. about just taking some time off. So
0: Just deliberate time away from alcohol. Mm hmm. Were you feeling overwhelmed by the end of the year? Like, were you feeling like pulled yeah. in a lot of different directions, like just sort of worn out?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm a, a social person, but it's like I can be out and on and, and being with people and family or working or whatever. And then I need my time mm-hmm. to, to turn back inwards and just kind of recharge. Mm-hmm. So I think I had just like you know, from October through New Year's, it's just kind of like a sprint, a social sprint. Um, And so, yeah, I think I took that's a good way to put it. It is
0: a it is a social sprint. It's just nonstop events, family, friends like, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's all good. It can be it can be it can be. But even like, you know, it's it's stuff that can be amazing but just because it's amazing doesn't also mean it can't also be at the same time draining and and tiring and difficult so it's not like it's not mutually exclusive it can be all of that at the same time and more Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah man how have you been
0: good good man everything's good trying to think about what's going on in my life oh i mean i'm coaching Alyssa. I'm coaching Alyssa right now. I know you were excited about that. You want to talk about that, but that's going great. She actually just hit a new low today of her weight, which was, she was very excited about it, which as, as a coach, I always try like early on in my career, that was one of the mistakes that I made is I would get really excited about lows, but it was a huge issue because if I got excited about lows and when I said, don't worry about it, when it was a spike, it was almost like, even though I could logically say it. It was like, well, you were really excited when it went down though. So that must mean that this isn't as good. So as a coach, when someone hits a new low, I still try and keep everything calm and not be like, yes, this is a huge win. It's more just like, okay, amazing. Thank you for sending me your weight today and trying to keep it more middle ground. Because if you celebrate the lows, then it's almost like you have to be upset about the highs. So it's it's good to be back in that. and and she's crushing it. She's wonderful. She's great. The response has been very, very supportive and encouraging. And we're about we're uh, today is one week. Today is one weekend mm-hmm. as of the recording of this episode. So it's, it's been really good so far.
1: And is this going to be for a month? Did I hear or how yeah, long have so you guys gone?
0: It's a, it's a month long challenge just because usually the challenges I do are 30 days when I do it. And, um, this is, this is, very time intensive for everyone involved, me and her, and my wife, and like and my videographer Mitch. Like it's it's a lot of time. So we're meeting two mm-hmm. times a week. She lives like an hour away. So it, it basically, if she's coming to me two times a week in addition to her job, and she's also She's moving this month. Like she's, she's moving this month. She's moving to a house. There's a lot going on. It's, it's just super time intensive. So we'll definitely do follow ups. Like we'll do follow ups maybe like two months in and then six months in. And, and we'll, and just her and I are, are definitely going to remain friends forever, hopefully. But we'll, we'll do check ins every now and then just to give people updates of how she's doing. But, the duration of the challenge is just going to be 30 days.
1: That's so cool. She seems super cool. I feel like yeah. you guys have a good vibe going. And I was I was really, uh, so the first thing that I thought when you were saying what the experiment or the project was going to be mm-hmm. was I was like, oh man, how's he going to avoid the biggest loser effect? Mm. And you brought it up in the very first episode. So I was super yeah. I was like, okay, he's, he's thinking about it, but like, yeah, what do you, like, how do you avoid that? Seeing how it's so so public, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of communication. And so I have to keep reminding her, which by the way, like we just have to recognize there's a, a lot of pressure being on social media with a large audience, which I've, I've gotten used to. But to be fair, like even people who've built their own audiences, like it's very stressful and it can be very difficult and it it puts a lot of, um, it puts a lot of pressure on you. So, but then for Alyssa, who literally went from like essentially zero to a hundred just overnight, I would imagine the pressure feels way more pronounced. Now she's incredibly good at compartmentalizing and being aware and she's super self-aware and she's super confident in herself. And and I think she, she doesn't really give a fuck in general what people think, which I think is amazing. It's going to help her a lot, but there's still pressure. And so my job is to, one of my jobs is to make sure she knows consistently over and over again, this is not a lose as much weight as possible in 30 days challenge. And even if you watch the first episode, you heard her say like, she, she tends to be all in or all out. Where she feels like if, she, if she's screwing up, then like she's done, she's out, that's it. Where if she's on point, then she's just 100% on it, all in. And so one of my roles throughout these 30 days is to let her, and I'm putting in quotes, air quotes, like make mistakes and not let that be a failure and not mm-hmm. let that make it seem like there's something wrong. So for example, this morning, again, we're, we're a week in. So this morning she was like, Hey, I, yesterday she was under her calories. It was a crazy work day. She had an event. It was nuts. So she was actually under her calories and she was like, you know, I I had a lot of calories to spare and I'm, I'm really craving like a caramel macchiato from Starbucks or something. What do you think? Like, would it be okay if I got something like that? And I just was like, absolutely. Like, please go get that. I was like, by the way, you get that you still have a significant number of calories for the rest of your day. It's not like that ruins the entire day. You can still get that and still hit your calories for today. And she was like, okay, well, that's awesome. So whereas before I I could tell from the way she asked, she was like, I think I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is allowed. And so my job is to say, like, this is totally fine. You're not doing this every single day. And even if you did do it every day, like it wouldn't inherently be bad. It would definitely be more difficult to hit your protein and your fiber and your calories if you got that every day, but there's no issue whatsoever. Go get it. So now she had it guilt free and we're, we're moving on with the rest of the day and there's no issues. So, whereas the biggest loser is like, you don't eat anything bad you are a hundred percent on point. You're working out six hours a day. And also the, uh, yesterday she didn't hit her steps because it was such a crazy day. So I'm trying to get her to have a minimum of 7,500 steps a day. She texted me last night and she was like, I'm so mad at myself. I was only, I'm only in the fours. And, and I was like, there's no reason to be mad at yourself. Like, mm-hmm. it, again, this isn't, I, I can hear, I'll, I'll read you exactly what I texted her last mm. night. She said, Only thing that isn't on point today is my steps. I didn't make enough time to walk like I wanted to. I'm so mad at myself for that one. With this new position, I'm all over the place right now in so many hours. So just a learning curve, not an excuse. And I said, there is zero reason to be mad at yourself. This is life. It happens. Remember, it's not a 30-day challenge to lose as much as possible and be perfect. It's the first 30 days of the rest of your life towards sustainable and healthy living. No worries at all. And so this is a, a consistent message back and forth between us where it's like, this is not lose as much as possible. This is not lose as much as possible. This is not lose as much possible. It's just the first 30 days of the rest of our life. And um, she's a very high achiever. She holds herself to a very high standard. She, you know, she even just in the phrasing of I didn't make the time to get the steps in. That's a very unique phrase to use, Mm -hmm. whereas most people would be like, I didn't have enough time. It's a very small percentage of people who would say, I didn't make the time. And she's saying, I'm not making excuses. I didn't make the time. She's taking all the responsibility, which is in some sense, wonderful. In another sense, she's being very hard on herself. So the way I approach this with her would be very different than with someone who's just consistently saying oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. With Alyssa, it's a, it's a little bit different. Like I, I'm trying to get her to be a little bit more lenient with herself because too much, all the responsibilities on me, all the responsibilities on me, I'm making mistakes. I'm making mistakes. Too much of that then leads to going off the deep end on the other on the other side of it. So it's just a lot of, it's okay. You've got this. This isn't the end of the world. And by the way, she didn't hit her steps yesterday and she still hit a new low weight today. Mm-hmm. And so it's again showing that weight fluctuates, and there's no real rhyme or reason behind it outside of just consistency over the long term but uh she's doing great. I'm super proud of her and and just from a few experiences we've had already in the first week, I can tell she's gonna crush it over the long term.
1: yeah, that's so cool. How did you link up with her
0: man it's actually it's pretty crazy, so you know, I've been doing these challenges to myself for years. Mm. Yeah, And the the most common comment I've always gotten is from people is saying, I would love for you to do this with a woman. And it's always been on my mind. I want to do this with someone else, whether it be a man or a woman, but it's always been on my mind. I wanted to do it with someone else, but it's, it's a huge amount of time investment. And it's a hu- like, even just from the perspective of paying my videographer, Mitch to come here at least two times a week, every single week, not to mention there were times where he went to her house and like, it's a huge investment. I don't think people understand.
1: Yeah. And he's so turning it around it, in real time.
0: Yeah. Turning around. Exactly. Yeah. It, which you understand because you know, you, you do this stuff as well. Like he's turning it around every single week. Like this is a huge investment with myself. I can do it. I can film myself and, and Mitch can be here as well. But the pressure is just on me and I don't want to put the pressure on someone else and the time investment, all of that. So the, just coming up with the, the plan for it and and making it happen was difficult. Never mind, Actually, when it's me, I can control myself. (laughs) I can't control what someone else does. And so there's almost like a big risk doing it with someone else, because if it doesn't quote unquote work with them, then it might be like, Oh, see, I knew your methods didn't work type of a thing. But anyway, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And recently my wife brought it up, like within the last three months, she was like, Oh, you should really do this with someone else. And I was like, yeah, I agree. I really want to. And what happened was within 24 hours of my wife saying that, I put up a Q&A box mm. and Alyssa wrote in the Q&A box and said, hey, I'm in the DFW area. I followed you for like four years. I would love to get a workout in with you. Now, I've never spoken to Alyssa before this. I had no idea who she was. I just saw that and it it came at the right time and the right place. And I don't see all the questions in the Q&A boxes because it's a blessing. I get thousands, but like I just happened to see hers and I posted it to my story. And I said, actually, my wife and I were just talking about this. I would love to do this with someone. Please like, let me know if you're interested. And I got a lot of DMs. And I happened to see Alyssa's DM among them. And she was like, I was the one who wrote this question. Like, I would love to make this happen. And I said, shoot me an email. She's the only one I spoke to. I didn't speak to anyone else about it. I said, shoot me an email and let's talk about it. She wrote out and I said, just write out like what your goals are, da, 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 da. And, and it was literally like, this looks perfect. Like this looks like the absolute perfect situation. Perfect. Like everything is lining up. So I got tons of DMS about it, but Alyssa's is the only one that I opened. The only one that I communicated with the only one that I spoke to and it would just the stars aligned and everything happened. That is so cool. And it just, it worked out super, super, super well. And she's just, she's awesome. Like she's down to earth. She's relaxed. It was, it was so funny. I took a video of her coming to my house the other night, not last night, but the night before for one of the workouts. And I was opening the door and I was like, who's at my door? Da, 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 da. And she was like, it's Alyssa. (laughs) And so I opened the door and I was like, what's up kid. And like, I call everybody kid. I call Susan kid. I call, it's like, I don't know, in Boston, what's up, kid? Like mm-hmm. you just say it to your friend. It's like a term of endearment. And of course, some fucking person immediately replies and says, Don't call her kid. And I was like, I was like, don't tell me how to what to call my friend. Cause that's Alyssa's my friend at this point. And she was like, Well, that's rude. And and I lost it. And so I actually screenshotted the conversation and sent it to Alyssa. And she was like, that person needs to fucking chill. Like th- we're just friends. We're, that's what we call each other. And uh, so I don't even know where I was going with that, but <laughs> Alyssa's she's super down to earth. She's relaxed. You're always, Y'all are like, sympatico- she's, she's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, we're We're good friends at this point. And uh, we fuck around and like, we talk shit during the workout. It's like, it's going to, I think in the next, in the second video in the series, you'll see we're talking shit during the workout. And I even said, I was like, If there's one thing I really miss from coaching people in person, it's the shit talk (laughs) that like you have during the workout. And, and I, I think this is very much part of my personality, but also part of where I grew up when you love someone, you shit talk with them where, where I'm from at least like, it's super like you just shit talk and it's, and her and I both have that energy And so you'll see it in that second video. I haven't seen what Mitch has put together yet, but I I literally said, I was like, I miss this. Like, I miss the shit talk. I miss going back and forth. I miss like the the jaw, jawing back and forth. It's it's just fun. And so uh, we've got that energy and I really like it.
1: Dude, That's so cool. I'm really excited to to follow along. And yeah, Mm. we'll we'll link it uh, by the time this comes out. I think all or most of the episodes will be out. Yeah, we'll we'll link them in the show notes.
0: Perfect. Perfect.
1: Cool. So I was thinking a lot about the kind of stuff that we're talking about and in this challenge in particular. And I was like, you know what we could talk about today? Bulking.
0: Hmm. How hmm. to bulk, okay. when to
1: bulk, why to bulk, strategies, tips, uh common, you know, common mistakes, that kind of thing. And I think it would be really cool to dedicate the rest of this episode to that uh, because there is so much content about cutting or maintaining and so many questions about cutting Mm. or maintaining. Um, And I do wonder if there isn't a group of people that would love to hear this or need to hear this, that it's like, okay, to bulk sometimes for certain reasons, when to do it, how to do it well, and and just kind of go from there.
0: Dude, let's do it. I love it. Do you want to? Do you have any question you want to start off with, or you just want me to just let her rip?
1: Yeah. So I think the first question I would have is Do you think people are afraid of bulking and why?
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think here's what I think I know people are afraid of bulking. I think women tend to be more afraid of it than men, but I know many men who are also equally afraid of it i think numbers wise more women are scared of it than the total number of men who are scared of it but there are many men who are also very scared of it and we have to remember eating disorders are are one of the scariest mental illnesses that we have like they're they're one of the leading causes of, of death among mental disorders. And it affects both men and women. And I think a lot of people just assume women have it more than men, but that's because women seek out help more readily Mm -hmm. than men do. And I can tell you from working with both men and women, I've seen about a 50-50 even distribution of disordered eating among men and women. And so women are more likely to go seek out help for it. But then we also know men are far more likely to commit suicide and, and be successful with it. Then successful is obviously a, probably not the right term, but to actually complete the suicide, yeah. and there are many different reasons for it. Not least of which, eating disorders being one of those reasons. Uh, often, like they'll do that before they end up seeking out help for it. So I can tell you without a doubt, it affects both sexes like relatively evenly. I've I've seen it over and over and over and over again. So um, anyway. Yes, people are scared of it, and it's often stems from a fear of getting fat. Like, when they hear bulking, they think, "Oh my god, I'm going to get fat." And I think a, a better term for bulking, just for the lay population, for the general population, is just building more muscle. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Like people hear bulking and they think I'm getting huge. It's like, no, no. you're just building muscle and then even from that i almost think building muscle can be a little bit much for some people to hear because they think you hear building muscle and they think i'm gonna look like arnold it's like good fucking luck (laughs) you're not gonna look like arnold but uh I think even from there, we can say it's getting more muscle definition, which isn't entirely accurate because in order to get more muscle definition, yes, one, you need to build muscle, but then two, you need to then remove the fat so then you can see that muscle. So I think bulking, a better word for it is just, we're going to build muscle. Mm -hmm. And then after you're done bulking, then we can lose fat. And then that, that muscle, you can see more muscle definition. This is essentially when people say they want to be more toned. Yeah, what they're really saying is they want to build muscle and then lose the fat around that muscle so that you can have more definition. That's literally what it is. So people are very scared of it and it stems from this fear of gaining fat and getting too big and I think most people and I don't think this is a fact we can look at you even said it leading into this discussion. Most of the conversations around fat loss. There's tons of conversation around fat loss. The vast majority of people want to lose fat. I mean, over fifty percent of the United States population is is obese, right like just by definition, the vast majority of people don't need to get bigger; they need to lose body fat. but we can talk about there's a difference between getting bigger and building muscle, which I think right. is is two different things, so people are very scared of building muscle or bulking because they don't want to get fat enough and often. They're not at a point where they're happy with their body fat level. And so they think, well, I haven't earned the right or I shouldn't build muscle until I've lost fat, which is a misnomer in and of itself.
1: I guess that sort of begs the question is like, what are some common scenarios where someone would benefit from adding muscle?
0: Mm, Every scenario, almost every scenario. Um, Not not every scenario, almost every scenario. (laughs) Yeah. That was conjecture. It was speculation. Yeah. But like, it was a joke. Anyway, there are some instances in which building muscle is not necessary or even ideal or optimal or good, but those are very unique circumstances. And I'll give you an example. If you have uh, an athlete who's in a weight controlled sport, and building a lot more muscle is going to essentially put them in the next weight class, which would not be beneficial for them. That's not good. That's not going to be optimal. Or we could even do a sport that isn't weight class driven rock climbing. For example,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you look at rock climbers. They are not huge. They don't have slabs of muscle. They're unbelievably strong. Yeah. But it's more of a neuromuscular strength than it is like they've got tons of huge slats. They don't look like a bodybuilder, but they're outrageously strong. It would be disadvantageous for a rock climber to have tons and tons and tons of added weight from muscle on top of them. Same thing with a gymnast or dancers, figure skaters, these high-level athletes who are outrageously strong but it would be disadvantageous for them to have slabs and slabs and slabs of muscle, which is a major issue I've seen among people in the fitness industry saying everyone needs to build more muscle. Everyone needs to build more muscle. It's like, well, not everyone. And there are many athletes or many people with certain goals, like like myself, I have no interest in getting bigger and and adding a lot more muscle. I love getting stronger, but personally, I have no interest in adding more muscle to my frame at this point in my life or my career. So with that being said i think i've added enough like <laughs> i've added enough and again i'm not jacked by any means but i've got enough i don't need more at this point like i'm i'm fine so with that being said i'm also not the average person i'm not the general population i think the vast majority of people would do well to build more muscle to answer your question i think the vast majority of everyday general population people moms and dads and people who are working regular jobs and and living life and oftentimes, who are, if they are exercising, they're only doing the elliptical or they're only doing the treadmill, they're not lifting weights and they're not building muscle. These are the people who really need to focus on it. And I would say, if I had to pick one, and I hate doing this because it's not an either or, but women really need to focus on it, I would say more than men. And I would say, Yes, men need to focus on as well. But if we're looking large scale data, large scale population, women, generally speaking, need to focus on it much more than men because they're going to have generally a much faster drop off with muscle mass uh, and also with bone density. And the things that build more muscle are also the things that build more bone density as you get older. And so it's, it's incredibly important for women to be doing that as they
1: get older. So when does it come up? with a client that hasn't really ever like thought about bulking or adding muscle. It's always been about fat loss. It's always been about cardio or steps or diet. Are there Mm. ever times where you've been like, Hey, I think we need to actually make a concerted effort to build muscle.
0: You know, there have been some times, but the vast, here's the thing when you're trying to build muscle, yes, your nutrition plays a big part in it. It does. But I would say, here's what I'd say. When when you're trying to lose fat, nutrition is, is king. When it comes to fat loss, nutrition is number one. When it comes to building muscle, strength training is number one. And it's not to say nutrition isn't important. I would say nutrition is number two. But For fat loss, nutrition is number one, strength training is number two, or workouts is number two. For building muscle, strength training is number one, nutrition is number two, which means that you can build muscle even if your nutrition is not optimal. Now, it might not be as fast as if your nutrition was optimal. Uh, It's definitely not going to be as much as if your nutrition was optimal, but as long as your strength training appropriately even if your nutrition isn't 100% on point, you will still be able to build muscle, which for me, I've been in a unique position throughout my career because I've always been a coach who strength trained. So people come to me for strength training, which means that like, like I'm not really in a box gym where someone is coming to me being like, hey, I just want to do cardio. Even when I was doing stuff in person, people were coming to me when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. They want to strength train. And they trust me for strength training. So I was able to help people start building muscle because like, that was almost like that's where they were. The Mm -hmm. difficult part for me hasn't been getting them into strength training. The difficult part has been the nutrition side of it, which is again, for muscle building is not number one, as long as you're approaching your training with the, with the right amount of intensity and yes, volume as well, but most important intensity as long as you're approaching your training from that perspective and you're being consistent with your strength training, you're going to build muscle. You're, you are, it's just, it's a byproduct of it. Now there have been times in which I've seen, I've had clients who weren't approaching it with the right intensity for any number of reasons. So I have had clients and this is mainly women and not all, but generally men have the issue of they go too heavy with shit technique. And women tend to have the issue of they don't go heavy enough and they have perfect technique. They're like, well, I don't want to go heavier. And oftentimes because they're they're they don't want to ruin their technique. But also, and this is something that I learned as I got older, sometimes women they, they didn't want to be making funny faces in the gym. They're like, I don't want to look like I'm straining too hard. Or I've had women who are like, I don't want to be sweating in the gym. Like, and they were worried about how they were perceived by others. So like they didn't want to make that like grotesque face when you are lifting really heavy, you know, sometimes you're doing shrugs and your nose crease will like come up for some reason, or like you just scrunch your face when you're lifting really, and they don't want to do that, whether it's because they don't want to be judged or because they don't want to get wrinkles. Like these are real conversations I've had with female clients before. we mm-hmm. like, well, the truth is I just, I don't want to get wrinkles. It's like, okay, we can talk about that. But From a training perspective, the main issue I've seen with women is, and this is not all women, and I think it's definitely changed over the years, but they don't bring the right intensity. They aren't lifting heavy enough for any number of reasons. Whereas men, they're lifting too heavy and then they're sacrificing range of motion, their technique sucks. So as long as they are lifting heavy enough, they will build muscle over time. Now, after a certain point, they're gonna need to make sure their protein is on point and uh, they're going to need to make sure that they're eating sufficient calories and they're going to need to make sure that they're getting enough sleep and recovery. But generally speaking, especially during the beginning phases of strength training, as long as you're lifting heavy enough consistently, you're going to build muscle. And uh it really is as simple as that.
1: Yeah, I think I remember Susan Niebergall saying something along the lines of like I reached a point where I realized I in order to get stronger I needed to not be afraid of mm-hmm. adding more to my diet and like getting there because she had some really specific strength goals that she wanted Correct. to hit. Right? Is yeah, that she's a in common... my kitchen right now? Oh, really? Hi, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that something that you see? Like, once people really get the bug, like I really want to get stronger, that yeah. they become more open to the idea of adding muscle.
0: Correct, and, and this stems from. Keep in mind at that point, Susan was already high intermediate, like almost at advanced. Mm. And that was keeping her from becoming advanced that she was chronically, she was for her whole life in that fat loss mode and transitioning from fat loss to muscle gain through higher calories was very, a difficult hump emotionally Mm. and psychologically and behaviorally to get over. And we actually recorded a podcast on it years ago. It's probably from 2019 here on my, in my podcast. But literally we did a podcast where I interviewed her and she didn't know that it was going to go that way, but I've <laughs> es- essentially I used coaching to get her to be like, all right, we're going to add more calories in. And she had subconsciously been eating less than she needed to. And so we made a concerted effort and she did a, a, a little bulk. And that I think took her from that high intermediate level. To the advanced level of training and also nutrition and coaching. I think that experience pushed her to a new level. And um, what's cool about that is she was able to achieve a very high level of training and nutrition and knowledge and uh, of strength and muscle, even while she was essentially under eating calories, which is exactly what I'm saying here, which is you can achieve a super high level as long as your training is on point from a muscle building perspective. But if you want to achieve that, like top 10%, that like really top 10% of people that like very, very high level, you're going to have to get your nutrition in check. And I would say, you know what, if you want to achieve that top 20%, that top 20, but you're really going to have to dial in your nutrition, dial in your sleep, dial in your recovery, and then take your training to the next level. So yeah, it was a very difficult thing for her, but she did it. And, and she, she had to push through this uncomfortable feeling and this worry of getting fat. And what ended up happening is it ended up, she got way stronger. She built more muscle and then she also didn't get fat. And so this goes back to my whole, like, how motivation works. First, you have to take an action from that action. Then you see results with those results. Then you get motivated to take more action. Her action that she needed to take was eat more calories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She was killing it with the strength training. She didn't need to adjust that. It's like, you need to add more calories with those extra few hundred calories per week. She had more energy with that energy. She lifted more weight. She built more muscle. So those are the results. And then from those results, she was like, Oh, cool. I'm not getting fat. I'm just getting stronger and building more muscle. Let's take more action. Let's keep this little caloric surplus that I have going on to keep driving those results. And, uh, it's funny. We were just talking yesterday, the day before she's here right now, we're working on the inner circle and, um, she's about to go in for hip surgery. She's getting a hip replacement. And she was saying after the surgery, she's going to Go into like a a bulk, like she's literally going to start eating more immediately after the surgery, and she, then she said, "I'm never doing a fat loss phase again." Like she just, she's never <laughs> doing it. She's never, she hasn't done it in years. She's been in maintenance since she finished that last bulk. Since we did that podcast, she's been in maintenance since that, which is years. Yeah. And she's like, "There's just no need for me to ever do a fat loss phase." So she's either in maintenance or bulking at this point, and she'll never do a fat loss phase again. She's like, "Fuck it," like I just, I don't need to, which is what a wonderful place to be. Like she went from always in fat loss mindset. Okay, let's finally do a bulk. And then she's never doing fat loss ever again. It's like, it's once you flip that switch, it's really an amazing place to be.
1: Man, that's incredible. She's so impressive in so many ways. So yeah, she's an absolute savage. It's unbelievable. So what, what I'm getting from this is in some cases hitting a performance plateau in strength training might be a good indicator, like, hey, this might be a time to look at your calories, to look at your protein, and and think about adding. But we've also talked about, you know, in the programming episodes and and in other times, uh, periodization, mm-hmm. and how you can adjust your protocols and and use supercompensation to break through plateaus. So when do you know if it's a programming issue? Mm. or a calories issue that's holding you back?
0: That's a wonderful question. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a that's a great question. Here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll start by saying this. If you haven't improved in a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, that is not an indicator that you need to make a change with either your programming or with your nutrition. Mm. That's called normal. That's and, and people are always like, oh, I'm in a plateau. I'm in a plateau. <laughs> and I'm like, you can see my face. One day it's we're gonna have to word, start putting yeah. these on you. I'm in a plateau. <laughs> J- oh, Jordan, I'm in a plateau. And it's like, okay, like how long have you been stuck? Uh like a week. I haven't increased in a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. I'm like, that's not a plateau. That's fucking normal. That's normal. A, a plateau, in my mind, indicates that something is wrong. Not gaining strength or not "quote unquote" making progress for four weeks doesn't mean anything is wrong. That's normal. Like that's how this goes. So you have to give it more time. But I promise you, it wasn't like Susan wasn't making progress for a month and then said, "Okay, now I need to make this change." It was like probably a, a four to six month period where it was things really aren't going the way that they were going prior mm-hmm. and we made programming changes and we had even tried to make nutritional changes but she was still subconsciously not following them she was still like under eating and that's when we had that podcast and did some motivational interviewing to get her to be like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna eat more, so. I would say probably four to six months is a really good time for him to be like, all right, something, something needs to change because it's not working. And that's when you can make the decision. But here, here's an important part. You don't change two things at once. Mm -hmm. You don't change your programming and your nutrition. That's a really bad idea. And anyone who's done basic understands basic science knows that if you're conducting a study, you don't change two variables at the same time, because then you don't know which variable caused the result change. And I think it's a really important mindset shift to consider yourself a study.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You are the subject of your own lifelong study. This is one of the reasons why I like to do those challenges on myself whether it's the carnivore diet that I did, which was fucking awful, or the blood sugar experiment, or the Big Mac challenge, or any of the things that I've done, or even right now, I'm, I'm trying to get my splits. I'm conducting a, an experiment on myself. I am the study. And I change one thing at a time. If I change a million different things, or even two different things, I don't know what caused the, the change or the result. So With Susan, it was our first, like over those six months, we did a couple of different changes to programming. Nothing seemed to work. All right, cool. Now let's try and keep the programming. Let's add a few calories. Oh, all right. So we said we're adding calories, but you didn't actually add the calories. Now let's actually add the calories. Then that's when the change happened. So I will say this. I think that when it comes to... When it comes to strength training results, if you're following a well-designed program from someone who knows what they're doing, it's very difficult. It's probably not the programming. You might hear my daughter in the background screaming. And and when I say like a well-designed program who knows by someone who knows what they're doing, there are so many amazing coaches who know what they're doing. Like, and there are so many correct ways to design a program. There are so many correct ways. It's really, it's really hard to screw that up. Once you have a, a good set of basic knowledge around that. Now, granted, yeah, there are some really shitty coaches and re- and people have no idea what they're doing, but I think it's much easier to design a great program that will deliver results than it is to actually adhere to sufficient nutrition I think more people are struggling with their nutrition than they are with their training. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, and I just think generally speaking, if you're in the inner circle, you've got the programs. If you've hired a one-on-one coach, odds are you're following a, a decently enough designed program. Most people, it's not a programming issue. It's a nutrition issue. That's just for most people. Now, if you're reaching an advanced level of lifter, which, very few people ever get to this point, then you will need some higher level advanced training. But I am, I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this. So it's abundantly clear. If you are not an elite athlete, odds are you're not that advanced lifter. Like it's just, it's just not happening. I, I, am I'm really trying to figure out a way to make this so overwhelmingly abundantly clear. I think a lot of people want to believe they're that advanced lifter. They're that advanced athlete. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been an elite power lifter. Like the, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job to reach that level of performance. And usually by the time you reach that level, you know, based on your surroundings, offers that are coming your way like there are some freaks of nature here and there that I've worked with who have been like oh my god like that's pretty insane that I've never heard of you or that you're not like making money doing this or that you don't have mm-hmm. an audience like it's pretty but that's so rare it that's like the needle in the haystack the to get to a point in which It's your training that really needs to make the changes is so, 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 so difficult. And the changes from that are really going to start being much more, they're high level changes, right? It's like, okay, like now we're going to start doing, we're going to actually reduce the weight. We're going to focus on how you're performing this from a a speed and explosive perspective. We're going to be, it's, it's, it's very high level. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very high level changes, but the vast majority of people. The people who I work with at this point in my life, it's nutrition. They, it's it's the nutrition. They need to get their nutrition in check. And th- they just need to focus on when they go to the gym, they're lifting heavy enough. Mm-hmm. Like pick up some fucking heavy weight. Like that's it. Like If you're finishing your set and it's not mm-hmm. very difficult by the end of the set, you're not lifting heavy enough. You should be finishing the set. I'll tell you this. Here's a good way to tell. Generally speaking, for your squats or your deadlifts or your Romanian deadlifts or your dumbbell rows or uh, your pushups, whatever it is, your, your bench press, whatever it is, if you are able to do another set after 30 seconds, you're not lifting heavy enough. If you are able to do another set after 60 seconds, you are not lifting heavy enough. You should need at least ninety seconds, and that's a minimum before you actually feel physically, mentally, and emotionally ready and able to do that next set. At least ninety seconds. If not ninety seconds, you are not lifting heavy enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Period. <laughs> that's it. And if you're like, "Wow, like that's," I don't, I don't do that. Well, pick up heavier weight. And you'll realize when you put those heavy weights down and you're like, oh my God, like you're straining, you finally get that weight up. You put that down, all your heart's going to be beating through the roof. You might be sweating, maybe not depending on the person. And you're going to be like, I need a longer rest period. Like you're, you will need it. And if, if you're not doing that yet, then that's what you need to do. This is and making if you're me doing go that, deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing that, then you're going to be building muscle and getting stronger. And that's what I mean by like, if you're approaching your training properly, then you're going to be building muscle and getting stronger, even if your nutrition isn't optimal. But like, if you can improve your nutrition, get enough protein, get sufficient calories and approach your training with the right intensity, like by lifting heavy enough, you're good. That That's good for
1: 80% of, of reaching a high level. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. So let's say someone gets it in their head that they want to add muscle. They want to add calories. They're excited about it. They're stoked about it. How do they figure out how to go about it? What do they do?
0: In terms of like for for calories, like how much for their protein and calories, what they need to eat. Yeah, how do you know
1: like if like, you know, people talk about like a dirty bulk where you just kind of eat whatever you want. People talk about, you know, I'm going to add X number of calories and it's going to be mostly protein and maybe this amount of carbs and fat. You know, there's like different approaches. So what, what do you recommend?
0: Yeah. So generally speaking, I think so. A dirty bulk, by the way, is just not a good idea. It's where you just eat whatever you want, whatever quantity you want. And you, and you, yeah, you build muscle, but then you also end up gaining a lot of fat. And I don't think most people are at risk of doing that because they don't want to get fat. So, not a good idea. But it is like an old school bodybuilding tactic that some bodybuilders would notoriously use, I, I believe. I'm not going to say his name because I, I I don't want to say the wrong name, but there's an old bodybuilder who is actually one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time who would notoriously do this and put pictures of himself with this huge belly in the off season. And he's eating chicken wings, just getting massive. But then, you know, he'd cut for his bodybuilding shows and he'd be shredded to bits and huge. But anyway, here's the cool part. A lot of people, well, how many calories should I eat for my bulk? Well, most people are coming from a place of fat loss first, which is correct. You do, you would want to get quote unquote lean enough, and we can talk about that in a second if we if we'd like, but you'd want to lose enough body fat to the point where, okay, now I have time to add more calories. There are calculations to guess what your caloric surplus should be, but nothing is better that like you already know what your calorie deficit is. So rather than doing a calculation that's essentially a guess, since you know what your calorie deficit is, just had some more calories. It's as simple as that. And what a lot of people don't like to hear is that so much of of what we do as a coach is you guess and check.
1: Hmm. All
0: right, so I'm going to add some calories here and then we're going to monitor your progress for the next month. And if you keep losing weight, then we'll add more calories. If you gain too much weight, then we'll reduce calories. If you are within the middle of that, then we'll keep them exactly the same. What the coach does is the coach just monitors it. You can do it by yourself, but the coach is just monitoring their guess and check system. That's literally what it is. And you you can't know unless you put it to the test. So if you know what your calorie deficit is, let's just say, for example, let's just say you've been losing on average about a pound a week at 1700 calories per day. We'll just say that. Just add 300 calories to your week. So now you have... 2000 calories. So now, like, for example, you mean you have three, uh, uh, three, no, no, not 300 a day. Sorry, not 300 a day, literally 300 to your week. Oh, wow. Okay. I would just start with 300 your week. And what's cool about this is, like, you're definitely not going to be adding fat with adding 300 to your week, but like you have 1700. So then let's say you're having 1700 daily. Take three days that are probably your, you could do it any way you want. You could take three days and add 100 calories to each of those days or Let's say, for example, Friday night is the night where you have dinner with your family and you just want to add 300 calories to that day. So now you have 2000 calories on that day. Cool. Now you can have 2000 calories on that day. You have a little bit more wiggle room with your calories and then keep eating 1700 the rest of the week. Now, this is a very slow and steady approach. And I think a lot of people, they would like to go a little bit faster, but if you're if you're concerned with adding too much body fat, I think this is the best approach. Like I think this is, it's a very slow, this is for whatever it's worth. Like this is some would call this a reverse diet, right? Where it's like, you're slowly adding calories back. Now let's say after two weeks, four weeks, you've still been losing weight with those extra 300 calories to your week. Cool. now, add 300 more calories to your week. So now you have six days where you have an extra hundred calories, or you have one day with an extra 600 calories or two days with an extra 300 calories, whatever it is you want. Then you track your progress for another two to four weeks. If you're still losing weight, cool. Add 300 more calories to your week. Or if you're not losing, if you've like been maintaining, keep it right there. You definitely have not Gained a lot, but like if by some you get to a certain point and all of a sudden you're gaining too much weight over the course of a month, bring it back a little bit, but give it time. Give it at least a month or so before you end up making changes. But these slow, small additions to your nutrition really are are what's going to show you where your true maintenance is, your true deficit, your true surplus. But since you already know what you're losing weight on, just add a few calories in here and there, slowly add it in, and I think one of the biggest mistakes people make with fat loss phases, they overly restrict, overly restrict, overly restrict. So by the time they get to the end of their fat loss phase, they end up binging and then gain it all back. But if you do it more sustainably, really, once you're done with that fat loss phase, it's just a continuation of your diet, right? Like you don't stop and then binge. You're like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to slowly add calories back. And this is why it's important not to have Fat loss foods versus not fat loss foods. Because when you add 300 calories in per week, it's not that much. So all you do is you just increase your portion size a little bit. That's really it. You increase your portion size. You just keep the same foods that you're eating. You just increase. Then you add 300 more calories and you just increase your portion size. And so now it's just that the post fat loss phase is just a continuation of the diet until you get to a point in which cool. I've added 900 calories to my week. I'm maintaining my weight. Now I can add a couple hundred. Now I've added 1200 calories to my week after a couple months and I'm in a slight surplus and I feel fucking amazing and I have more energy. I'm lifting more weight. I'm building more muscle. And now, you know, generally what your range is for your deficit maintenance surplus, and you can fluctuate in there for the rest of your life. Some people like, oh God, this just is going to take so long. This could all happen within a six month time period. And then you're better and more knowledgeable of your own body, of your own study for the rest of your life. It it becomes much, much, much easier when you're willing to take six months, seven months, eight months, do this. And then for the rest of your life, you have a much better understanding of how your body works and what you need
1: to feed your body. Yeah, no, it's an investment in, in self-knowledge. Yeah, that's so cool that it's not like, oh, I'm going to do something totally different when I'm cutting correct maintaining or when i'm bulking you're just adjusting
0: that's it it's you set yourself up for failure when you have fat loss foods or when you have muscle gain foods it's like no you just you have your foods the foods that you like and then we're going to make them fit whatever your caloric requirement is for that period of time that's it when you have certain foods that you are or like these are the only foods you eat during fat loss or these are foods you don't eat during fat loss it's a big problem and it really sets you up for losing the progress that you gain every time you do
1: it. Now, typically for a surplus phase, you know, do people have a goal weight in mind? Is it purely performance focused? Is it a time frame of bulking? Like how do you usually recommend people think about when to stop and why?
0: Yeah, so it's It depends entirely on the person. Uh, I know some bodybuilders and physique competitors, they would have a weight they want to get to, but I don't work with bodybuilders or physique competitors. I just have no interest in that whatsoever. So I'm not going to talk about it from that perspective. Generally, we have a range of what weight we feel comfortable at, but it doesn't have to be weight. It could be, all right, when these pants start feeling a little bit tight, that's when we're going to start reining it in. You could have a scale weight. You could have certain measurements that you look at. I personally like the pants. I think pants are a super good indicator of just being like, all right, these feel good. These feel good. These feel good. These feel good. Ooh. Okay. The button's a little bit tight now. Ooh. Okay. Now, like I got to suck it. Okay. Now it's time for reining it back in a little bit. I just like the pants. I think it's the best. It, it's super consistent. You don't have to buy a new wardrobe. You don't have to buy a new wardrobe. You've got this one pair of pants. It's like I have I have tester pants like and they're my favorite pair of pants. But it's like I know when either I've lost too much weight because I'm like I can fit my fucking arm in these or I know when I'm gaining a little bit too much weight and they're getting a little bit tight and that's it. And like I think for me and for the majority of people who follow me, that's a much better strategy than this is the weight that I'm too fat at. Or like, this is the, this is like the the measurement. I think that gets too meticulous. That's why I don't really like working with physique competitors or bodybuilders. I think they get way too neurotic about stuff like that. They take it way too meticulously. And I get it. That's what they're competing in. But I also know people who just casually compete in these things. When I say casually, I mean like they're not professionals. They're not, Mr. And Mrs. Olympia, they're, they're, they're just doing it. Oftentimes they're competing in these things because that's how they can justify their disordered eating habits and their overly meticulous lifestyle. And so anyway, I don't like to, to work with those people just because I think it's actually furthering their disordered eating and their disordered mindset around fitness. I like to work with everyday, regular people. And for them, you have a pair of pants. That's it. When the pants are getting a little bit tight. All right, maybe it's time to write it in. When the pants are, like, super, super loose, maybe you should increase your fucking calories.
1: Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many, uh like, dress shirts, like, button-down shirts that I just, like, couldn't wear anymore when I added a bunch of weight. It yeah. was, like, it was yeah. unexpected expenses, you know? Yes. Like, Damn, I don't fit into this anymore. <laughs> or, like, suits. <laughs> like, suits, you know, they're not the cheapest article of clothing, so... It's like, man, Quite the this, contrary. The suit is too tight now. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, not fun. But it was not also fun. awesome because I was like, oh, I've, I've added muscle.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the funniest is like when I've had suits where like my neck mm-hmm. no longer fits in it anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like my neck,
1: man. I <laughs> always want to like just like flex and let the button pop, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Awesome, man. Any final thoughts on bulking and or adding muscle? Uh, that Yeah, we didn't cover? I mean, I
0: think, no, I think we covered the vast majority of it. You know, I said, this is what you need to really accomplish like the 80%. And unfortunately, most people focus on the 20%. Well, what supplements should I be taking, and what is the best type of periodization, and that, like, what type of should I be doing? Double drop sets, triple drop sets, should I be doing like this type of train? Like, listen, lift heavy, do it consistently, hit your protein. That's it. That's that's like eighty percent right there, and I think the bit about if you're able to do a set after 30 to 60 seconds, that in and of itself should be like, I, I think the major take home from this, like if you're not lifting heavy, you are not going to build muscle. That's it. You, you need to, if a physio- lot, you need to get it. You, you fucking need to. Going on the Stairmaster is not going to do it. Doing the kickback, fucking glutey kick on the Stairmaster is not going to do it. Doing like, a million band walks is not going to do it. Like you need a lift. You need to lift. So lift, eat, sleep is super important. I don't want to belabor that point because we all know it. And still so many people are just sitting with their fucking phone in their face until two in the morning, but lift heavy, eat enough protein, sleep, use your pants as your tester and you're good. You heard it here, folks. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. If you could leave a five-star review, that would be wonderful. We would love that. Give Tony a follow. Tony's Instagram is linked in the show notes. And uh, that's it. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.